What up, what up, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Nesson After Hours podcast. It is presented by People's United Bank. We are people too. I am Emma Salancia. She is CLA Godwin. And What's we going are, on, everybody? We are locked and loaded, are we not? Yes, it's Friday. We're always locked and loaded on Friday because we're mm-hmm. locked and loaded for the weekend. <laughs> Everybody's working for the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> what do we got coming up? Please talk to me. Uh, four new additions to the Boston Red Sox following a shortened MLB draft. We got Jim McCaffrey at the Athletic on on what they might bring to the Sox as well as where things stand and the MLB's return to play negotiations and Alex Cora breaking his silence. So a lot of baseball talk this Friday. We'll also ask her about Tori Hunter's comments and the Red Sox response. Their response, one of many from sports leagues and teams around the country as protests continue and calls for reform echo throughout the country. Our thoughts on Colin Kaepernick, who kneeled in protest four years ago and is still without an NFL job to this day. Could the shift in the conversation finally give him the edge to get back into the game we'll discuss that and finally we wrap up our show with some quarantine thoughts all right cool but uh jim mccaffrey covers the red sox for the athletic how are you doing today you are joining the program right now welcome to the Ness and after hours podcast hi guys thanks for having me oh my god it's like so amazing to talk to you we have to it's been a minute it's forever been, it's been so long yeah it's been Damn us. you COVID 19 <laughs> it's been a while uh, it has been. Uh, and, of course, uh, COVID-19 forcing uh, Major League Baseball to go to five rounds in its draft. We saw what the Red Sox did over the past couple of days. Uh, just your thoughts, immediate thoughts on High and Bloom's first go around here at the helm. Yeah, so the first round pick was kind of, uh, I think, surprised a lot of people. Nick York. Who is um, kid? Yeah, totally not on anybody's board. Uh, I think he was ranked 139th by MLB um, MLB. Uh, prospect pipeline. Uh, so yeah, a total surprise by everybody. Um, but I, what I wrote that night was we should probably come to expect this from Heimblum that he kind of zigs when everyone else zags and doesn't really care uh, what uh, what the public perception is. And that was their they were they're convicted in, in picking a guy like him. And honestly, it probably comes down a lot to money. They were thinking they weren't thinking that he was going to be around necessarily by the time they picked again in the third round. Uh, because obviously they lost that second round pick uh, for the sign stealing scandal. But, um, but more so uh, because he's a high school guy, they figured that maybe um, the thought process is maybe they can sign him for a little cheaper and get a guy that might have fallen uh, in the third round and, and give him a little extra money. So that's sort of what ended up happening um, or they're hoping will end up happening with, with Blaze Jordan, um, who's a third baseman. They might move him to first, a huge power hitter. He, he won the, the uh, high school all-star derby last year. Um, Mookie Betts like congratulated him on the field. He was hitting like 500 foot home runs for a high school kid. kid so. Oh my God. He yeah. was like, he, uh, thir- he was like 13 hitting moonshots yes. in that stadium. Like he's not human and it's fantastic. He has that video game name already. Yeah. Know, yeah. His name the is name. <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty impressive. So uh, he has a pretty strong, I think he's had like a commitment to Mississippi state since yep. uh, eighth grade or something like that. So oh. he he's has a, a strong kid. He's a huge kid. He's still obviously 18, so he's still growing. Um, so there's a lot of upside there, but they're going to have to probably give him a lot of money to convince him to, to sign with them. So that's where they are with him. Uh, and then they got picked up two lefties. Um, 
Jeremy Wu Yellen and Shane yeah. Drohan. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we know all those guys. Absolutely. All those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so again, yeah, um, some interesting um, strategy there from them. Uh, but uh, again, this is all the baseball draft is so weird because like you don't you don't know what these guys are going to be for years down the road, basically, especially without a minor or, you know, the expectation of no minor league season this year, what the development, you know, timeline is going to be for a lot of these guys. So first, first step in all this is trying to sign these guys. Um, but, um, you know, they say they're happy that with the strategy they had and what they got. So we'll see, I guess, is, is kind of where we are right now with them. With the draft only going five rounds instead of 40, there was a lot of guys who didn't get to hear their name, called but starting on Sunday a unique huge opportunity for teams and free agency can sign as many guys as they want any ideas of what the Sox may be thinking here yeah I mean not really I don't even think they really know what they're thinking um you know it's kind of a free-for-all at this point we talked uh to Paul Taboni the Red Sox uh director of amateur scouting in like a pre-draft call uh two weeks ago before before uh, before the draft this week, and he basically said uh, they think they have a strategy, but uh, kind of all bets are off because they're not exactly they weren't exactly sure how obviously how the draft would pan out. So now that they know, I think who who's there, um, they'll probably have a little bit more uh, of an idea of where they're going to go. Um, the one thing that I you know I I alluded to a, on a um, in talking with some colleagues, just kind of curious about the cuts that were made, the, um, the minor league cuts that were made a few weeks back, obviously teams were kind of trimming their rosters and whatnot. Um, but wonder if that is some indication of how many guys they might try to add through this process. Like you said, they can add as many as they want. Um, 150 or so guys were drafted, but generally about 1200 are drafted. So there's a lot of guys out there and a lot of talent out there. Um, and honestly, you look at guys, uh, the, the Red Sox roster, if the, you know, a lot of these guys on the current Red Sox roster uh, were, you know, in drafts that only had five rounds. You wouldn't have J.D. Martinez. You wouldn't have Mitch Moreland. You wouldn't have Christian Vasquez. You know, Mookie Betts is a fifth rounder, but um, a lot of these guys are not, you know, one through one through five, um, you know, uh, draftees. So you, there's still a lot of talent out there. Um, so I don't know, maybe the Red, so the Red Sox cut 22 guys a couple weeks ago from their minor league system like a lot of teams did across the board, maybe they're going to try to add about 20 or more guys um, in, in, in kind of keeping, keeping things even. But uh, this is such an unprecedented situation. I feel like yeah. we don't really know exactly what they're going to do or, you know, where they're going to go with this. At least we know Rob Manfred said before the first round on Wednesday night, he is guaranteeing that there's going to be baseball. So he has the ability to pop in if they can't come to some agreement here. I mean, freaking come on. We're, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting. Yeah. The entire country, everyone, sports fans are waiting. So he could come in and say, all right, we're going to do this 50-game season. Uh, how soon until he's going to have to intervene here, Jen? I'd say within the next, you know, week to two weeks. Because um, even with a, you know, even with a um, a 50-game season, they want to end that season by end of September. Um, so, you know, if you backtrack 50 games and, you know, a handful of off days, that brings you to like the middle of July, um, for, for when the season would have to start at the very, very latest. Uh, so, you know, with kind of, you know, backtracking from those dates, um, you'd have to have about three or so weeks of spring training. So that brings you like to the end of June. Um, so I think, you know, they're really coming up against a, a time crunch and they obviously need to give guys time to get to wherever they're going to be 
hosting spring training, whether that's at the major league parks or down in Florida or whatnot. So yeah, they've got maybe a week or two uh, to kind of figure this out. Um, they've been going back and forth with all these proposals from 114 games to 78, 89 games, 72 games, and trying to figure out, you know, where the money falls. And obviously the players want their full prorated salaries and MLB is kind of, you know, trying to fudge the numbers and, and get around that. Um, but like you said, Manfred, you know, in the March uh, agreement that they all had, Manfred has basically said that he has the authority to, yep. you know, um, to, to start a 50 game season or kind of lay down the law and say, it's going to be 50 games. We're not going to, we're not going to not have a season. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, I would think within the next week to two weeks at the very latest is when they have to make a final decision on that. Do you think it'll get to that point? Do you think that these two sides can eventually shake hands and work out a deal? Do you believe that at this point? Uh, honestly, I think it's going to have to be, uh, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be an yeah. amicable thing. No I think, yeah, they've ju there's just been so much tension and so much uh, anger really uh, from the player's side about, um, about all this and, uh, they know that MLB has much more money than they're le than they're letting on, and uh, and they know that the teams can take more of a financial hit than they than they are saying they can. So I think there's just a lot of frustration there, um, and just yeah, the negotiation process hasn't really been much of a negotiation. Uh, so I I think it's going to have to come down to this this uh, this like laying down the law by by Manfred of of 50 games, and and maybe they'll figure out some concessions on both sides from there um, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to be you know uh, a thing where they come together and be like okay well we finally decided we're going to do this you know uh, peacefully and uh, it doesn't it hasn't felt like it's going in that direction at all yeah we all no know by uh, there will be no fireside happiness and cheering it, it just seems like it's just getting uglier and uglier yeah uh, man for just get in and step in and let's get the show on the road but, but we all know there's also bigger issues at hand right now like in this country besides waiting for you know a baseball season whether it's going to happen or not uh you know the, the racial injustice that is and, and the protest and and the stories and and you know of george floyd and and tory hunter coming out again this week and saying that he actually had a no trade clause in his in all of his contracts so he could not go to boston he did not want to play in boston because of racial slurs that were thrown his way inside fenway park and then what stood out to me really was the red sox actually coming out and backing him up jen and saying yes this did happen do not doubt his claims how surprised were you when you saw the release from the red sox yeah, I think it is surprising because, you know, a lot of a lot of times these days, you know, people are defensive and want to back away from something, even if they know that, you know, it's something's going on, they'll kind of turn a blind eye or say it's not, uh, no, it's not that way. Or honestly, like, you know, when 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 Hunt, Tory Hunter has said stuff like that in the past that he's been harassed um, and, you know, called, you know, racial slurs or even Adam Jones a few years ago, how many how many times, you know, did we have to hear from people like, oh, he's making that up? And, you know, instead of believing the guy that, you know, had to go through all this, people, uh, people, you know, wanted to say, no, 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 it's not us. We're not, you know, we're not bad people. We're not like that. So for the Red Sox to come out and say, you know, we're, we hear you, we believe you, and we need to fix this, that was huge. You know, and I think a lot of people appreciated that. And I think that's the era that we're in right now is accountability and just, um, 
you know, addressing the wrongs that we've all made, you know, throughout the course of our lives and, and just um, addressing racism face on, you know, and, and feeling it and dealing with it and, and, and kind of figuring out how to move forward in the right direction instead of pushing people away and, and, and trying to make ourselves more comfortable. Um, it's about, you know, people that have gone through all this that are the ones that uh, need to be, you know, taken seriously and taken at the, uh, you know, for their, for whatever they're saying. And, uh, and the fact that the Red Sox are trying to address this, or at least taking the first step in addressing this was, I think, a, you know, important for a lot of people. And, and it should hopefully stay in the forefront because it is something that we need to change. Um, and, and especially in this city. Well said, Jen. Um, something that I can, I can back up. I attest to all those statements that you just made 100% correct. Uh, hit it on the head there. Um, Alex Cora, he broke his silence on his season long suspension in an article to ESPN. They, they interviewed him saying that he, he opened up saying he deserved the punishment and it was the right thing for them to give him a suspension and he accepts the responsibility, but he does not accept the responsibility of being the mastermind. So when you hear him come out like that with a statement like that, what does that say to you immediately? Yeah, I think that's sort of been his, um, his stance all along that, uh, he was sort of brandished as, as the guy that started this all when, you know, he clearly had a large part in this is obviously in, in, uh, in, in the Astros is what we're talking about, but the, you know, Del Carlos Delgado and kind of, or Carlos Beltran and, uh, and everyone that else was at with Loonhow and like all the other players that kind of were involved in this, the coaches, so many people knew about this. And while Cora might've been one of the people that, uh, people that, you know, helped facilitate this, uh, he was not the lone player. And the fact that uh, it kind of, the whole investigation, uh, MLB investigation kind of painted him as, as the lone bad guy. I think um, he was willing to accept that, yes, he did something wrong and he screwed up and shouldn't have. But the fact that he was the only one that was uh, punished as, you know, severely, obviously, um, you know, there were other punishments laid down to the Astros, but Cora was basically the, the front facing guy that took the biggest, the biggest hit in the Astros investigation. So I think he took, uh, took a, offense to that really um in in knowing that it wasn't just him that that kind of facilitated all facilitated all this so yeah I mean it's understandable there's frustration that you know he's labeled as this this cheater and this bad guy and you know um I think he's willing to admit he screwed up but I think he also wants to stand up for himself and saying you know this wasn't just me going in hey we should do this you know this was a top-down uh thing that they that they implemented so, and how that relates to the Red Sox, well, I mean, obviously he, you know, he came over the following year and they, you know, they were cleared more or less from, from a lot of the things that he, you know, had done in, in Houston. And obviously, you know, JT Watkins uh, took, the, took the fall there and he was sort of asked about that in the article and he kind of said the investigation spoke for itself. So that's, I guess if you're gonna come out and say that, you know, I'm not the only guy in Houston, Maybe there should have been more. Uh, maybe there should have been more words of support for J.T. Watkins and what happened with the Red Sox. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the biggest takeaway is I think this is just the beginning, and we're going to hear a lot more from him now. Um, and I think that was at a charity event, so it wasn't kind of like a setup thing. I think I think he's going to eventually come out and kind of sit down with someone. 
um, and just kind of lay out maybe what happened or, or maybe read a book or something like that uh, because I think he has a lot more to say. Jen McCaffrey, very good stuff. Everybody, please read her stuff on The Athletic, covering the Red Sox. Follow her on every social media outlet you could think of. Jen, you're a good human being, and uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with us here on the Nesson After Hours podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jen. All right, so last week we had Jemai Webster and Julie McWilliams on the show, a whole episode dedicated to the uncomfortable conversation we are all having right now but it's a necessary conversation, one that enables us to grow as human beings with, with our empathy and listening and understanding what other people who don't look like you, especially if you're white, what they go through. Uh, we're seeing the sports leagues, teams, players continuing to lead the way, use their platform to help facilitate this conversation. Out of all the statements you've seen, E, which ones really hit the mark for you? Okay, the one that really stood out to me was, was honestly the, the National Football League. The National Football League coming out and basically admitting that it was wrong and also making a ginormous donation over the next 10 years uh, to fight racial injustice, $250 million. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. You'd like to maybe hear a dir- more of a direct apology to Colin Kaepernick. Yes, I think this, I think 100%. This is, I think this is almost it without really name-dropping him. And but but to me, I'm like, say his name, say his name, damn it. But at the same time, you have to accept that this is the uh, ginormous step in the right direction uh, for the NFL. And I think the best thing to do also for the NFL, you have the president of the United States calling out Roger Goodell in the NFL. Just ignore the noise. Stay the course and make sure you play a major role in making positive change. You want to be part of the positive change and good for the NFL for listening. Good for you, Roger. I mean, they had to listen because you have the face of the league and Patrick Mahomes on a video that they went behind the league's back with the social team, the NFL social team to put together this video of all these big name players in the NFL demanding them to address it, giving them a script of what they wanted them to say. And I noticed that they didn't use the word silence. They said they didn't listen. And I think legally they cannot admit that they silenced a player because then that opens up that whole investigation again of did they actually blackball Colin yeah. Kaepernick, yep. which we all know they did. But Yeah, there's I mean, a reason there was a large financial yes. settlement behind this. Yes, they're, they're, they're being very smart with it because legally there, there's some repercussions that they could have with it when it comes to Colin Kaepernick. Um, I, I have to point out Drew Brees because, you know, he obviously said something that he shouldn't have said, doubled down on it, and then stopped finally and listened to his teammates because they were so upset with him. But then what he did, he took what he learned, and this is something I think we can all take away from this. When you're wrong and you learn from it and you own up to it and then you verbalize that and say you're going to do better, we're all better off in the long run. So Drew Brees is doing that right now by challenging the president, Donald Trump, to say, hey, this is what I've learned. This is the true meaning of what the knee is, what it, what it means to take a knee during the national anthem. It's not about the flag. It's not about America. It's about the current state of affairs for black people in this country. So he took his platform and what he learned, even though he made a mistake and made something good out of it by challenging the biggest person in this country with the most power in this country. So that, yeah. that, that stood out to me. And that is, um, this, that is this country for you. This country yep. has always been one 
that will forgive you if you admit you have made yes. a mistake and yes. show improvement. It has been like that since day one here. Now you can't keep effing people behind their backs like over and over and over yep. again here. I'm just saying he made a mistake. He recognized it and people forgive him. His teammates are forgiving him and people are starting to turn the page realizing it's going to make a positive difference. It's okay to be wrong and it's okay to grow from that. But if you don't grow from that, I mean, you're just making it worse for yourself. So, so Drew Brees, after digging himself into a hole, he did dig himself out. And I think he's going to be better off in the long run. And we can all learn from that lesson that he taught us. So, but let's talk about Colin Kaepernick because he's back in the conversation. Yes. Once again, last played football in 2016, the 2016 season. Massachusetts Representative Joe Kennedy has called for the NFL to apologize to him, which they sort of kind of did. Not really. With They didn't mention his name, so I don't really count that as an apology. And for the Patriots to sign him, what are your thoughts about the Patriots bringing in Colin Kaepernick, even though they got four quarterbacks on the roster right now? Yeah, I kind of see both sides of the story here. I, I don't know if necessarily the Patriots need him right now because I feel like they, they are committed to Jarrett Stidham. But at the same time, I look at it as like, okay, I know it was a really short sample, really small sample when we saw Jared Stidham kind of crap himself in a regular season game. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't really, really want to go off of what we saw out of him in the yeah. preseason for crying out loud. But I also – I think to, to Colin Kaepernick and how productive he actually was in his last few years. It's a guy with Super Bowl-like experience. Uh, however, he hasn't played in, you know, three, four seasons. But bringing him in – Bringing him in, I don't know if that's exactly what the Patriots want right now. More of, it's going to be like a Tim Tebow kind of situation. And we saw what happened with Antonio Brown, and that was very short-lived. But I think right now, I don't know if they're in a better spot by bringing in Colin Kaepernick. I know they want to see what Jared Sinnon's made of. Not to mention Brian Hoyer, a guy who's had three stints with yeah. this team, knows the playbook, like in and out. Does he deserve a job in the NFL? Hell yes, he does. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I don't think it'll be the Patriots, but I definitely think it'll be some team. But I think it's more likely that he gets a job, sorry to say this, when somebody gets hurt in the middle of the season. I think okay. at this point, most organizations have their guys, have their backup, have their practice uh, quarterback already kind of in their in their head. And all of those jobs have, are already taken right now. So although I think he's better than some of these backups that, that, that are out One, there. 100%. I mean, yes. I mean, and it just comes down to who can find the room to, to get him on your team or if you have an opportunity to sign him that you should because, one – He's I, he still deserves a job. I think he's in the best shape of his life right now. We're hearing reports yeah, he, of that. There, yeah, there are reports of that. Yep. There are reports that he is more ready than ever to yes. get back out there. And yes. some people believe it should be the Vikings giving him an opportunity, considering all the crap that has been going down uh, with you know the George Floyd protest in yes. Minneapolis. It would be a massive statement for a team to sign him in this conversation of getting this conversation to the to the to the front of, of everything. It would be huge for a team to say, look, we're going to bring him back in this league. I mean, you'd get instant fans for that team, I think, for, for a lot of people. Um, uh, Pete Carroll, Seahawks head coach, he said that there's been one team that has called him asking about Colin Kaepernick because they were the last team to bring him in yes. and, you know, work him out. 
And so we know one team is interested at least right now. So I don't think it'll be the, the Patriots, but there is a team out there that is interested in him and we will have to see how that all plays out. But, you know, like you said, he deserves a job in the NFL. Yeah, and these teams are going to be thinking, they're, they're going to be thinking, you know, two, three times, four times through on this. They understand there is going to be a risk. You could lose a chunk of your fan base because of this, but in the end, it's, yeah. it's, but it is potentially. In the end, it's not about that. It's not about that. It is now time to just do what the hell is right. Take yeah. a stance, make a statement, be part of positive change. This would do it. This would be a huge step, another step in the right direction for the National Football League. Definitely. So currently we have a lot of sports up and running. Believe it or not, people, there are live sports going on right now. Charles Swab challenge continues. No Tiger Woods this tournament. But other than that, the, the field is completely stacked. UFC fight night card in Vegas tomorrow night. Beautiful. Ten matches in La Liga this weekend. So for all the football fans out there, you got football. a ton of it. Ton of it this weekend. And Dixie Vodka 400 this Sunday <laughs> at Homestead Miami Speedway. Love that title. Dixie yeah, Vodka. yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And uh, and good on NASCAR too, right? Good on NASCAR yes. this week. Banning with everything the with the Confederate flag. flag, getting you know, saying that it's not going to be allowed. I mean, it's overdue. Yeah. But I will give them credit for taking this step because they yes. are pissing off a lot of their fan base. Just going in the comments underneath that statement that they posted on social media. Holy hell! Yeah. Racists are mad right now. Yeah, they, they're they're really pissed. There's a lot of people out there showing their true colors right now, oh, including sure. the they're one like themselves, including like the the one truck driver, uh, the one truck <laughs> series driver guy who says now he's retiring, skin to you know rock the Confederate flag and yada yada yada, and a guy had zero wins. So it's just like uh, toodaloo. Like bye, Felicia. See, see you later, I mean, man. Like, turns out you and the Confederacy have the same amount of wins here, same number of wins in the past like 155 years. So. BTFO, bro. We don't need that negativity around here, man. Why you got to drop the mic like that, man? I <laughs> uh, know. My That's bad. Because it's morally right. It's yeah, morally right. right. It is. Um, the NWSL, because you cannot forget about them. They will start up June 27th with their Challenge Cup, then the NBA, NHL right behind them. Out of all the return to play plans out there, which one do you like the best, E? Um... Let's see. I, well, I like the NBA's plan. I like the fact. Uh, I like the fact that they're putting everyone kind of in one hub city. <laughs> I like that it's at Disney World. Uh, to be honest with you, and it just seems like the right format. Kind of smart with getting the few teams in there who are going to be. It's about more competitive teams. So uh, there's like what one or two teams I think like in the East. There was a few more in the West that they have uh, put together. Thirteen and nine. Yep. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And so. Uh, and, and this has also been like almost like a format to how um, how they've talked about it in years past where it's like, okay, let's just get the most competitive teams in there. It doesn't – because some, some years one conference is weaker uh, than the other. So I like the idea that the NBA uh, mm -hmm. is taking here. I like the steps here. Uh, the NFL is by far the most normal-looking, uh, just a short preseason that they're kind of talking yes. about here. Um, I, I, I like the NHL's idea, um, especially just because it – they had a lot of moving parts to it. It's same kind of with the NBA. They were so far along in the season and it just, there's so many more monkey wrenches thrown in there opposed to someone who's just starting up like the MLS um, or MLB. Like, you know, they can 
start from scratch. These other leagues are having to factor in so many other things that have happened in the, in the regular season yep. that's impacting them now. So the NHL, I'm looking forward to that. I think they made the, the, the best decision that they possibly could with all the moving parts. Um, MLS with, with them starting the World Cup-style yeah. tournament to kick off the, the restart, and then they'll go into a normal season should the virus allow it to happen with playing back in their own arenas. Yeah. So yeah. Um, NHL and NBA, I think did pretty, pretty good job for all. The yeah. I mean, considering, yeah. Considering like the situation we're here and then yeah. the pandemic and the pandemic that we're slowly trying to make our way back from, I mean, good, good for the NBA and the NHL. And it also is a credit to the players association realizing, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to have to sacrifice like a little bit here as well. Now the major league baseball is just totally different. They've got a whole damn <laughs> major season. <League> baseball. <laughs> I know. They've got a whole damn season to play. These other leagues are basically shifting into playoff mode. So t- two totally different situations yeah. when it comes to baseball compared to the, you know, the NHL and the NBA here, but. Baseball's God. looking like a huge loser right now just because they're the only ones who can't get their act together. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of the, flack is going on the owners because the players are coming out saying we want to play you made an agreement we shook hands on something earlier and you're not holding your end of the bargain so and the players it's, it's a bad are, look the players are taking all of the health risk in this situation yes. as well and they're also going to be taking a larger financial cut than mm-hmm. like the owners in the grand scheme of things so i'm going to side with the players i just hope they realize yeah. i think at a certain point you do have to see that there's going to have to be some sacrifice made on your end as well. But yes. if they want to put their heels in the sand and they want to just stand strong and stand firm, okay, I will back you up on that as well. They're doing it for the state of the players that will come in after them, the future of the baseballs. They're, they're doing this for them. It's not just about that the players right now. It's about the players in the future. Uh, real quick, quarantine story time. Um, you had a really cool interview this week, Emerson. Oh yeah, we did. Uh, we, uh, we talked, I talked on Monday with Judd Apatow, who is like one of Hollywood's best comedy directors, did 40 year old virgin, did, uh, knocked up. Great knocked movies, up was man. Those yep. are classics. Train wreck. So he's a guy who's worked with like LeBron James before. Uh, we, I caught up with him a little bit about this movie that hit uh, VOD today, video on demand. So you can just rent it when you're chilling on your couch this weekend, make it a blockbuster night. Uh, the King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's, it's really kind of like Bill an Burr autobiography. Too. Yes, Bill Burr was, who is a uh, Massachusetts native, mm-hmm. comedian, actor, uh, huge New England sports fan, huge Red Sox fan. I guess that there's a lot of really good stories Judd Apatow shared with us last night uh, about like Bill Burr not shutting the hell up on set about the Red Sox. <laughs> and if you see the movie, there's a, there's a couple fun uh, little moments in there that include the Red Sox. And also uh, one of their minor league affiliates. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to that movie because I'm a big fan of Pete Davidson. His personal story is coming into this this movie. Um, it's you know about a, a guy who lost his firefighter dad as a kid, yes. and now the mom's dating a, a new firefighter. And Pete Davidson's dad died um, in the 9/11 attacks. Yeah, uh, he was last seen going up, I think, in the North Tower to go it's, save more people, and yes. he died. It is, so uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a funny story, but also one that's going to hit you in the feels. Yeah, it really does. And I, I'm dead serious when I say it that you guys, please check it out. It is really, really good. Uh, there are really funny moments. There are moments where Bill Burr steals uh, many scenes in this thing as well. But it is almost like the real side of Pete Davidson. It is, it is very funny, but there are moments, yes, where they're going to put the jokes on the back burner. And you're going to be like, wow, okay, damn. 
I didn't know that, or why am I feeling this feeling that I didn't expect to feel? Well, besides that movie, there's a lot of sports that we can get into this weekend as well that we're looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. It was awesome to have Jen McCaffrey on the show talk yeah, she a was lot great. of baseball. Um, but the good news is that sports are coming back more and more and more by the week. Uh, just baseball can get their act together. Then, you know, we can be one whole big happy family again. All right, Emerson, that's going to do it for us. I'm Celie Godwin. We will see you guys next time on After Hours, the podcast presented by People's United Bank. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. We'll see you next week.